Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers covering the world of Xamarin, .NET, Azure, and more. I'm Matt Sokup. And I'm James Montemagna. Oh, my goodness. The last podcast of 2020. Can you believe it? I know. We made it through. 2020 is over, and next year is going to be glorious. It's going to get better next year, James, right? I hope so. I'm ready. I'm ready for the uh, the winter season, ready for some time off. I'm imagining our January podcast may be a little, uh, might be a little sleepy, but maybe we'll talk about some holiday projects we worked on. I actually have been uh, thinking about live streaming, uh, doing some uh, app creation, um, but like design wise, you know, I normally live stream on my Twitch, just like me creating apps or working on libraries. But I've been thinking about doing a d- design challenge for myself. Uh, and see kind of what the new capabilities are in Xamarin Forms 5. So that's what I've been thinking about doing for the holidays. Or maybe, Matt, I should actually update my applications and push out the updates that have been waiting for six months. I can't decide. One or the other. Now, what about just taking some time off and refreshing, James? Has that crossed your mind? That has. But where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> your couch. My couch. <laughs> we, we do that every night. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> um, we, uh, I've been... I did put together a a, a do-it-yourself spin bike uh, this last uh, month, which was pretty exciting. I put that out on my Twitters. Um, Instead of buying an expensive Peloton, um, I've been excited for Apple Fitness Plus. So you you know you kind of bring your own bring your own bike there. So Mm -hmm. I spent a few hundred dollars and and got um, you know a nice sort of basic spin bike doesn't have any gizmos or gadgets on it, but then I attached gizmos and gadgets and got that for under $400, which is pretty good compared to a $2,500 Peloton. So I'm excited about that, but I've been doing that. I'm I'm on, as of day recording, I'm on day, today will be day eight of eight. So I've had it up and operational for seven days and um, I did seven days straight and then today's day eight and I'll do day eight. I'm going to keep going. Um, It's been quite, quite good. I I love spin classes. A lot of people, like when I posted photos, um, on, on the Twitters, you know, there's different types of indoor cycling. Some people do sort of training, which is more traditional. Like I am going to be on a bike, bike, bicycle doing long distance training and then spin classes, which are more aerobic in some way of getting up out of the saddle, doing different speed intervals, usually to music. And that's the stuff I I like all cycling, but that's the stuff I like on spin bikes and I'm actually only like a 10 minute walk wherever I live. My goal has always been to be, be within 10 minute walk of, of a spin class studio, but obviously all of them have been closed since March. So I decided to go all in and that's been my, my life update and that's what I'll be enjoying through there. So first spin for 30, 40 minutes, get all sweaty, then eat food, then sit on the couch and probably shower at some point. Those are, those are my evenings, Matt. That's my life update there. Good. Now I know. Now I, now I can rest go. easy knowing that what, what you're up to most likely spinning or on the couch. Yes. Well, I got jealous because you, you know, you had gone and done tons of running all this, this, um, this time and, you know, got all in shape and we're doing all this stuff. And I've been saying since the beginning of quarantine, I'm going to get in shape and then I never do. And uh, I got some pounds to go, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And I, I just actually got a rower um, because it gets so dark here so early. And then 
just so early, right? And it's yeah. like kind of like running outside when it's dark out. So they could get a headlamp, but still he can also trip. And yeah, so got a rower and that's fun, right? But you're yeah. stuck. You're stuck inside. So yeah, maybe we'll have to get the music going and do the. I don't know. You can't really stand up on a rower though. But well, no, they have. Um, I think that I think I don't know if Apple Fitness Plus has a Peloton may have rowing classes. I don't really know how that works with run because they have tread classes. They have like all sorts of stuff. They have like running classes and hit classes and all this stuff in their in their subscription. But that would be I'd be fascinated about rowing stuff. Yeah. Let's see what Apple Apple Fitness plus has i'm excited because when this podcast comes out it'll be very soon i've been waiting forever for the, the apple fitness plus because i got the apple watch and i want the stuff and i don't know i just i don't know trying to get in shape motivation yeah. i don't know why i just couldn't go outside you're right because it gets dark and that's the other motivation for actually you know being inside because mm-hmm. it's dark i don't want to go ride my, i can't ride my bike in the dark well i could like right. you said but yeah. it's not fun and it's tough going during the daytime and you know yeah. you got other people out and you want to st- social distance and yeah it's just the welcome to the xamarin workout podcast that's right oh they have rowing <laughs> they're gonna have rowing in apple fitness plus boom confirmed oh nice. all right well let's get into the news what you got for us man yeah all right so a couple days ago um it this really cool app i didn't know it existed until i saw the blog post about it and it's called sketch 360 and it does pretty much exactly what you would expect expect by the name is that it allows you to sketch and i really like sketching because if you can tell if you ever went to a conference talk of mine or read a blog post i do a lot of stick figures right and that's pretty much as good as i get a lot of people might think oh you might be able to draw you know better no no Uh, no not even i mean that's as good as i get as stick figures (laughs) but the sketch 360 app looks super cool and what it is is that it it used to be a UWP app just written in C Sharp. So we'll just call it traditional UWP. And it lets you uh, draw in a, like if you're panoramic. So let's say you're sitting in West Seattle and you see the Space Needle and you want to draw panoramic all the way over to Mount Rainier. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so it's, you know, you could take a picture that way with your iPhone and, or your Android and kind of just drag it with the panoramic view. But to draw something like that, it's a little bit tougher. This app helps you do that. And so what, what it is, is that as you drag your pen, it kind of reorientates itself for you. So you can, you don't have to worry about all the curves and getting everything right that way. The app kind of takes care of it. All right. I am going a long way to saying that Michael, the person who wrote this, has redone it for Xamarin Forms. Uh, cool. sp- specifically to make it work on the Duo, uh, the Surface Duo. So you have two different screens. But... Yeah, Xamarin Forms using a lot of Skia. He actually wrote a special view for it. I think he's calling it the Ink View or something like that, which the Ink View is actually super cool and that it supports um, um, drawing and eraser strokes, pressure-sensitive strokes. And so we should actually maybe get that into the, the Community Toolkit or Ink Canvas. That's, that's the name for it. That's cool. Yeah, so that's really neat And that you can actually draw now like 360-degree panoramic drawings using Xamarin Forms, which you know that means iOS, Android, anywhere you want, with um, a pen that's, you know, touch sensitive and everything else. And then you know, there's a blog post that we'll post the uh, that we'll post the the blog to or the link to in, in the show notes. And yeah, super cool. C sharp, XAML, and Xamarin Forms and Skia. And it's actually just one of those cool things where you see an app and it's just like yeah that's 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 neat and um yeah 
And for me, I could do a stick figure and have to have like 360 stick figures and pretend they're all in a huge circle. Yeah, it's really cool <laughs> because Michael is also, you know, an instructor too. And they does like sketching workshops and things. And in the blog post, he talks about it too. But it's cool because it, it is also optimized for the the duo, right? And I think that's what's really, really cool motivation. You already have the dual screen, uh, two pane view uh, API that's built into Xamarin Forms. So, you know, he was able to leverage it and you get to um, use the top view in, in different ways. So you get to zoom in on actually what you're, you're drawing and get this different perspective. So it's a really, not only cool use case of Xamarin Forms to go uh, cross-platform, but a really cool way of optimizing your application for dual screen devices, which I think is really neat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, everybody was like, kind of wonders, what can you do with dual screen? Well, here's, here's a great use case for that. And it just, you know, people are pushing the edge and just kind of getting started what dual screens can do. Yeah. Now the next one is a little bit of a blast from the past. Um, Matt, I'm pretty excited about it. I have been working and um, communicating pretty heavily with Adrian Hall over on the Azure SDK team. Um, there was a few sort of internal baseball type of things going around without actually playing baseball, but we you know, inside things. But um, basically what's cool about this, Adrian's blog post, is that they have done a little a maintenance update to Azure Mobile Apps, which is, which is the online offline data synchronization layer for SQL data in uh, in the cloud um, to your mobile devices. So I, we've, in the past, you and I have talked about Azure Mobile Apps for years at this point. Um, Adrian is working on um, kind of updating those libraries to keep developers going. You know what I mean? So as mm -hmm. the platforms are advancing, he's also making sure that it works and changing the SDKs and the libraries accordingly as it has changed. So what's nice about this is it, it brings higher compatibility for Android, iOS, UWP, and WPF applications, which is kind of cool, framework and .NET Core applications, um, to use Azure mobile apps. And so if you already have it going, you can now upgrade seamlessly. There's a new login um, flow, which uses Xamarin Essentials, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um, that is using the new Web Authenticator API. So kind of he was able to rip out a lot of the old implementation, put in new modern implementation there. Um, now, at this point, it's it's really just an update to say, hey, listen, if you're an existing Azure mobile apps or this is like your use case, you know, you're going to be good, right? It's not like the here's the, our next generation version of it because the back end still hasn't been updated yet. It's still just the same old, same old. But I think he is working on looking on doing that. He's, he has a survey on the blog to, to understand what features really you need in your applications um, to help in the Azure mobile apps uh, library. So it's not like a, hey, go use this thing. This is your thing going forward. But it is a um, an update, you know, that that is good to see that, that it is alive. It's thriving. It's open source, of course. So you can go contribute to it. But um, I've used Azure mobile apps quite a lot in the past, and it fit my use case very well, which is I had a SQL database. I wanted to, to manually sync some data. I didn't need real-time data, things like that. And and boom, now it's updated and, and good to go. Yeah, Azure Mobile App Services is just one of those things that makes sense for like .NET and Xamarin developers, just like with SQL Server and ASP.NET front or backends. 
And like you said, this is the, it's not the next version. It's just the next iteration, bringing it, I guess, forward into modern um, standards. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so read, we'll put the notes or the, in the show notes, we'll put the link to the blog post out there so you can go take the survey. Adrian is, I mean, he loves, loves, loves this. He's listening to the surveys. Um, we see the, the, um, he'll write up the results and we'll see the results every now and then come through. And yeah, we, which is all a point of saying that we listen. So totally go take the, re, take the survey so we can make the next version when this does come out eventually work for you. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it's next iteration. And even if you're not using it in an app right now, go give it a test spin, like spin up something maybe over a holiday hack and, and mm-hmm. see how it does work. So, I mean, it just has a uh, ASP.NET backend, ASP.NET. Is it ASP.NET Core right now? Um, it must be. The backend is not. It's something that okay. I think that he's looking for feedback on to update next. I think he might have a spike on it. So, okay. um, but it's there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's just it's just a bunch of uh, uh, controllers. You're, you'll be familiar with it if you've written an ASP.NET uh, web API before. Inherit from a controller, you get a lot of cool functionality. Mm-hmm. And yeah, give it a shot. It's pretty pretty neat and mm-hmm. uh yeah it's nice to see this moving again yeah. so and james you know what's something that has never stopped moving since like the early 90s what's that? <laughs> it seems like it's visual studio we keep on chugging along and there's a new preview out for uh version 16.9 and mm. there's a couple of new features in it that are really for at least xamarin and net developers that i found pretty neat the one that really like is like oh yeah this is super cool and i the first one i saw is like oh this isn't there is uh when you paste and i'll admit sometimes i just go out to like stack overflow or read a blog post and i'll just paste some code in to um the editor is that now there's the ability to add the missing using directives on the paste Oh, cool. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that cool? And like, that's just something like, oh, yeah, that's super cool. Now you don't have to actually go in and find out which, you know, using directives that you're missing. Mm-hmm. Automatically. And, uh, yeah. Automatically. Automatically does it. So, you know, it uses that IntelliSense or whatever to figure it out for you. Yeah, I'd always, I'd always mess that up because I would paste the code. And then there is, there used to be a little gear that would come up and it was like, do you want to add it? And it's like, yeah, I always want to add it. But if you don't do it right away, then it goes away. So this is right. super nice. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you miss the gear and yeah. So yeah, super nice. You have to actually go in and uh, enable it, but mm-hmm. it, it's once you, once you enable it, it's, you're good to go. And then of course you should go and enable it because it'll make life so much easier for <laughs> you. Um, yeah. It'll, it'll make life so much easier for me. At least, <laughs> um, and another, um, uh, especially for Xamarin Forms developers, is that you can do um, binding property generation for your view models when you're going in your XAML. So you're writing a property within your XAML, and you have the view model already hooked up within mm-hmm. the XAML. So you say, "All right, I, I have my view model. Here's what it is," and you type in a property. It's going to s- kind of just push push that into the class for you, and um, so it's just one of those. Uh, Nice little things that help you make more productivity. So a couple of different uh, productivity enhancements that they put into uh, 16.9 Preview Whoa. 2. Oh, my goodness. That's great. I yeah. I need to try that out. I'm looking at it right now on the screen, and that's really cool. I've seen some different plugins and extensions that do this, but it's really nice to see. I'm fascinated uh, because the nice thing is that um, 
the UWP and WPF editors uh, aligned with Xamarin Forms when it comes to the design time data. Like the, I remember working with that team um, on design time data around the previewer and like how to enable the D colon to do stuff. And there was different ways of sort of plugging that into UWP, but they sort of work different. And like, those are really aligned now where you can use D colon on anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what they're doing is this like design instance type of thing. And then it, it's able to inspect, you know, where it's at in the code and then inject it. I'm going to go try it. This. this is really cool. Yeah. And I would not have noticed that because I think this is like how I want to sort of create all my UI going forward, just like, Hey, go and do this. And it even implements, I notify property change if you haven't yet, which I think is, which is neat. Uh, it was really cool. And, uh, <laughs> I like that. The other thing that's in this release, it's not in this blog post, but it is definitely there, which is the XAML, um, diagnostic tools. I have, um, Dimitri Lylan on Xamarin show next week, the week after next week, something like that. I think on the blah, 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 17th, the episode should come out. It should have been out already, but there was some editing, that was taking long because I forgot to put a date. My bad. And I forgot to update DevOps. Um, but it should come out on the 17th. He walks you through this. This is a cool feature of what I like to call XAML 2.0, XAML Hot Reload 2.0, <laughs> tooling, XAML everything 2.0, 5.0, 20.0, who cares? Um, but what it does is it will, um, when you run your application, it will give you a error output of bindings that are missing or incorrect. So instead of, let's say you did a binding to width and you forgot the H at the end, it would tell you that, you know, the width thing is not that it's not spelled correctly, but Hey, this thing doesn't exist and you can click on it and it'll go to the code. It's really, really neat. So he, he kind of shows off what's available today and what's available in the future um, of that. And that works on, on UWP, iOS and Android, which is really neat. And, if you are on Android and iOS, there's not a, you know, an overlay, like, you know, on UWP or WPF, there's like an overlay, like a bar for all the hot reload stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do for iOS and Android is they integrate the little toolbar into the live visual tree, which is also now available for iOS and Android. So you get to see how many errors are there. If there is an error, even though obviously, you know, some of the advanced overlay stuff isn't on iOS and Android. It's still inside your IDE, so you can see it, and it's in the in the pane. So it's all super neat. That's what I'm trying to say, Matt. Yeah, like it. Yeah. So check out the Xamarin Show, where yes. Dimitri goes through it all for you. Exactly, XamarinShow.com. Boom. Yeah. Um, awesome. Now, the next thing uh, is a blog that I wrote up, uh, which is uh, quite good, I think. I'm excited <laughs> about it. I wrote the blog, but, um, you know, I think that as... As the you know .NET becomes more unified, all the frameworks and libraries and things all become unified under the .NET brand. You know, I think also asking for help is something that we're trying to unify as well. So traditionally, there's been a lot of different places on the internet in which you can go ask your questions, right? Whether it's a forum, whether it's Stack Overflow, whether it's someone's blog, whether it's on a blog post, whether it's a bunch of different in a Discord channel and a Slack channel, so many places. But Microsoft rolled out Microsoft QA, which is part of documentation. So when you go to docs.microsoft.com, you see a big Q&A button. And when you go there, um, you'll actually see like tons of different products from Microsoft. 
So for example, you'll see all of Azure, you'll see Microsoft Edge, you'll see Windows, Visual Studio, Microsoft 365, you know, things for developers that you're developing. Um, and now you will see .NET. Boom, 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 boom. You'll see .NET <laughs> on there. And .NET brings together traditionally, which would be all of these different forums and different communities, or sometimes things didn't even have places to go to ask questions. You have a single place where all of the .NET products are there. So from runtime to app and web development with Xamarin, UWP, WinForms, Council Apps, Android, iOS, ASP.NET, Blazor, classic ASP.NET, right? Um, languages, machine learning, data, tooling, um, acquisition and deployment, and even things like IoT, you can go in and you can ask questions. You know, if I go into Xamarin Forms, it's, it only launched a few weeks ago, we have hundreds of posts from hundreds of users that are in there tagging their posts. You can follow a topic um, to give updates on them. And it works uh, like a Q&A system. So you can upvote questions, you can ask, um, add comments, add, um, submit answers that can be uh, approved. You have a profile when you log in that's tied to your documentation and Microsoft Learn account. So you can earn badges and awards and reputation that's on there. And this is just nice because everything is there. Because yeah, you may have a Xamarin question today, but maybe you have an ASP.NET question today. One account gives you access to everything, Matt. No, you don't need to sign up for 20 things. You sign up for one thing and everything is integrated together. And that's really just the beginning of where the the, the Q&A system is looking to go. So I think it's really nice. I'm excited about it. Um, it does mean that over time, the existing, existing forums like MSCN, ASP.NET, IS, Xamarin, they will be migrated over um, to the Q&A system. And I already have a, a update on the forums.xamarin.com. I have an entire uh, timeline for in which the forums will be available, won't be available, like what's going on there. But to summarize it in very short, for now, you can post to both areas. Starting in March, you can post new questions only on Q&A. You can continue to post existing questions on um, or answers and questions on the forums. And then in April, the forums will be completely locked and we will start a data migration like archive process. So all of the information and stuff is archived on a separate site already. And the MSDN forums have already gone through this as well. So they're there too. So, um, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that you can kind of you know, look at there. But yeah, that's the the outline. So my recommendation is just start posting on Q&A. That's the place to go. We already have tons of MVPs and community moderators that have moved over there too. But it's definitely awesome because it is the start of kind of bringing everything together. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. I mean, well, it's super cool. And that's where people should go. And it is all, like you said, one uh, login for everything. So if you're doing mm -hmm. any learn courses or whatever, you just log in once and you can post, you know, um, when you need help later with, you know, when you're doing your development. And it's also moderated or uh, looked after by uh, people who do work with Microsoft or work for Microsoft. So, I mean, yeah, yeah people are, it's being watched, I guess, you know, so people are helping. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The, one of the other big benefits that I think is there is that, you know, we have a entire customer su su uh, su support success team, like the entire support team does look over there and 
help answer questions. And a lot of the top experts are from the support team, which makes sense. And you'll see a Microsoft badge by all the Microsoft employees. So we'll have all these people that are looking over it. So now we have a great community helping out, but you also have official support, you know, that is hanging out there. Another thing that we have official support for <laughs> in the future, what well, is coming <laughs> is .NET MAUI. And uh, so in the last December's community standup is uh, Dave Ortnow went through and uh, gave an update on .NET MAUI, both what it is and what's coming and where they happen to be on it. And so .NET MAUI is a new, it's the hottest thing right now in Xamarin community. People are asking, you know, what is it? Um, and when people, somebody asks me what it is, I mean, it, it, you kind of, kind of go on about it. There's really, you just can't, I don't have my elevator pitch down for what is .NET MAUI because there's so many new features of it. You can just say it's the next iteration of Xamarin Forms. Yeah. I mean, yeah that really, doesn't really help though. I mean, anybody who's listening to you, does it? I mean, a little bit. I like to say that, I mean, I think what you said is the next evolution of, of Xamarin Forms. I think that's a one-liner that's there, but you're right. It doesn't really describe the the vision, I would say. And that's what Maddie, David, and John Dick did on this stand-up, which is cool. I think they're going to put a big blog post together answering questions from the different feeds. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely worth just spending, you know, some time going through it. But high level, right, it is, like you said, Matt, an evolution of Xamarin Forms. Um, it is, their goals are to officially, you know, support um first class for desktop and mobile for iOS, Android, Mac OS, and Windows. Um, some of the cool things from this high level is, you know, they're really focused on stability, performance, sub one um, second startup time, removing all the cruft that was there for a long time. They're re-engineering the entire rendering system to make it interface-based compared to a renderer system. So everything is an interface, like an iButton, an iCarousel view, an iWhatever, that enables um, easier, um, I would say, extension of .NET MAUI, which means if you're a maintainer of, let's say, Reactive UI or Fabulous or Comet or these other types of different uh, UI frameworks on top of it, it will make it so your layer is easier to implement and more performant, which That's is cool. It. Should make it faster. Should make it faster. That's the, the goal, goal, goal. So cool things um, on the platform support is uh, Windows will be WinUI 3 support um, out of the box, which is cool, uh, which is the next kind of generation of Windows development. And then on <laughs> Mac support, um, it's actually going to be Catalyst support that you get out of the box. So there is, you know, work that's going into Catalyst, which is the ability to run iOS applications on a Mac. This is different from just M1 processors where that's literally just running your existing iOS application on a Mac. This enables you to integrate into the menu system to optimize different things and get your application running fully on both um, Intel and M1 ARM based Mac, uh, machines. So it's very little work, but, uh, from you as a developer, but a lot of work on the development team, but, um, they've been working with the community on getting implementations of that going, which is cool to see. And, and that work, actually the catalyst work should land in .NET 6 and su support everybody with iOS apps, but, um, it's going to be how Mac OS is there, which I'm excited because, 
coming from AppKit, it's not quite fun to work with and, and just doing Catalyst makes so much sense, less testing for your application. It's very beautiful. And then they talk about the timelines. They talk about this rendering system. They also talk about backwards compatibility with a NuGet library that they're going to call xamarin.forms.legacy. Uh, maybe it should be like dot compat actually, I think is what they should call it, but I'll give that feedback now that I've come up with it in my mind. <laughs> but this is for all intents and purposes, a way of giving library creators and vendor component models and yourself a way of running your existing renderers and custom controls inside of .NET MAUI. So it is a backward compat shim, if you will. So that means even though you'll have from the time of this recording two years to to, to migrate, right? Because even Xamarin Forms will be supported for even another year past .NET MAUI GA, which is .NET 6 timeframe. Um, you'll have a lot of time to migrate and even longer technically with, with this stuff too. So it's definitely worth, that's a high level, high level feature sell, I would say. Um, but they do a good job of talking about not only the product sell, what's important about it, but some of these uh, customer interviews and feedback loops that they've been doing time and time again, right. which is and, awesome. And I mean, you did a great job I mean, talking about the product, but there's also like the developer, um, I'll say pr uh, productivity, like, mm -hmm. you know, like this is the assimilation of Xamarin into .NET 6, you know, fully. I mean, everybody's there. It's the one .NET when we hit mm -hmm. .NET 6 and um, like there's tooling changes now, like the one project is is here we, mm -hmm. and, and um, there's um, VS Code. Um, you can do a Xamarin Forms project. You probably won't have all the IntelliSense there, but if you're a VS Code aficionado, you got it if you if if you want it. And yeah, so I mean, there's more. When I think of .NET Maui, there's it's just there's a this whole set. It's like Maui is an island, right? We have a whole <laughs> archipelago of little islands going on here. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty cool, and yeah, definitely check out the uh, stand up. It's um they. Yeah, they do a great job going over all the efforts that are going on and making this a uh, this. It's a huge effort going on, and yeah. it's targeted for next November, I believe. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So. Cool. All right, so yeah, we're moving in. We're going from Xamarin into the cloud. We're taking off, James. And uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is uh, Hanselman and Jeff Holland went over and they did a little series on um, serverless APIs. So everybody knows or everybody loves Azure Functions. And um, if you don't know what it is, when you say serverless, so you think, well, how does something run without a server? It, not, you're not technically throwing a server out, right? There's still a server running somewhere in the back end. It just kind of means you don't have to care so much about the infrastructure anymore. But mm -hmm. you still have to worry about things like scaling and and uh, making sure that... Uh, it's up and running. They pick the right consumption or the right plan to run things on, like the right, what they call the SKU to run your um, function app service on, stuff like that. So, I mean, there's still a little bit of stuff you have to think about. And that's what they go over in this series is to think about that type of work. Um, so not so much the code per se, but the other things that go along with it. They, I guess that's at least the first part. And then the second part they go over is actually deploying your APIs into um, what we're calling the API management um, 
Azure service, which I talked, it was the Azure service of the month, a couple of months ago. Well, what that does, that gives you your um, consumers of your APIs a nice uh, interface to go into to actually consume the API. That way you can version everything really nicely and so on. So what they're talking about then is a way to kind of holistically understand Azure functions as a serverless offering and to how to build a, uh, a fully, I guess, a fully baked API off of it. So you just don't have a bunch of like HTTP triggers sitting all over the place, but you can actually unify all your HTTP triggers into a single holistic offering <laughs> where <laughs> it, it I mean, it just makes sense. Like, so you're building out something um, that works for your whole company per se, because like if you were building out, um, so API management works with Swagger uh, uh, language, which is an OP, open o- API specification. And it's just, you know, when I say specification, just a way um, for discovery, essentially. But the thing with Swagger, if you're doing with ASP.NET, you just kind of like add in a NuGet package and it kind of mm-hmm. just works. But with um, functions, it's a little bit different. And what API management gives you is like a design time first where you can go into the u- user interface and say, all right, I have this Git HTTP function happening and here's what I'm expecting for the inputs and the outputs. And then when I get at it, my client is actually calling API management, which then kind of forwards over to functions and it works. So check out the series. It kind of gives you a way then to both understand um, functions and also how to make it a like a whole API management system or whole API system and API management. And so they're two quick, I think they're like 15 minute videos and they're totally worth the time investment to understand the back end of how to uh, write APIs with a uh, serverless. Very cool. I like it. Yeah. Well, I guess that brings us to your pick of the week of Azure. Yeah. Last week, last month was uh, Event Grid. What you got for us this month? How about Event Hubs? Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. What's different here? <laughs> I know. We were talking about the pod beforehand and James goes, you did that one last month. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is totally different. All right. So Event Grids, so they both deal with events, right? Which is kind of like a Xamarin Forms mes- messaging service. You, you send, all right, something happened, and your publisher says something happened, and subscriber has to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. So the event hub or the event grid is a thing in the middle that deals with this thing. So the event grid thing that we talked about last month, that deals with discrete events. One thing happened. A blob was uploaded. One thing happened, and now we're done with it. Mm-hmm. Event Hub deals with big data, like time series events. All these things happen in, in a row. So something like, let's say you had a like a, a Nest thermostat or this thermostat that's constantly transmitting information. Thermostat's a bad, but an IoT device. Sure, that's IoT. Ca- a yeah. smart scale, a scale smart, of some sort. Yeah, and it's constantly transmitting telemetry over mm. to uh, Event Hubs. And it's you have a tons of these deployed and they're all transferring telemetry over and event hubs can do this millions of millions of different events coming in. And then your subscriber on the other end is like just picking out, like looking for anomalies detection or doing different data archival or picking out so it can do different, um, um, processing on that end. And so what's neat about event hubs is that it actually keeps these uh, events around for a certain amount of days so you can have different applications doing different things to these events. It's not like a queue where one picks it out and then it's gone. 
Mm. It like kind of sits there. And so you can have like one looking for weird data coming in, like trans or fraud detection. And another one's like actually processing the transaction if it's financial and, and actually like charging your credit card, stuff like that. And so that's what event hubs is for big data, millions of events coming in huge mm. events at a time where event grid is more discreet. You know, something happened, let's handle it. And then, you know, like image got uploaded, let's make it black and white. So yeah, that's the difference between the two. They're, they sound the same, but they're completely, they handle completely different things. Brings us to the final segment. Pick of the pod. Pick, pick of, of the pod. pod. Do, do, do. Oh my goodness. Oh man. What is my pick of the pod? Well, I guess my pick of the pod is five picks of the pod because I wrote a blog post. I got two picks of the pods. Actually, I wrote a blog post over on my blog on montamagna.com called five must install NuGet packages for new Xamarin projects. Whoa. I think this is uh yeah, it's a little clickbaity. I know, but uh, it's pretty good. You won't believe pretty, what happens next. And you won't believe. Yeah. I called it, I originally called it essential NuGets, but I was like, well, really there's tons of essential NuGets, but I was thinking if I'm brand new to, building an app, what should I actually look to install? And I outline it. I talk about many of the things that we've talked about on this podcast, but I talk about the why and the how with code samples and images. So I talk about MVVM helpers, which is my library. I talk about monkey cash, which is my library. I talk about pancake view. I talk about sharp NATO, um, and all of the different things inside of sharp NATO, like sharp NATO tabs, sharp NATO shadows, sharp NATO material frame. And then I talk about the Xamarin community toolkit as well as a, here's what sort of looking forward you should look to install into your application, which I think is cool. The other pick of the pod um, that I would recommend starting to follow is the .NET Dev.2 account. Um, so if you're looking, if you're already on Dev2, this is a, a good uh, account to follow and get updates on. Um, what's nice about this Dev.2 is that it's um, sort of new weekly updates from different members of the team on uh, different sort of getting started-esque intro topics and fun things. So some people are writing original content, some people are syndicating their feeds, um, but it's a pretty good uh, place to look. And it's dev.2.net, so D-O-T-N-E-T, and you will find it there. And there's a bunch of bloggers that are writing all sorts of cool stuff um, on there. So definitely give that a look. Yeah, well, what I like about the Dev2, at least the .NET portion of it, um, it's I consider it like lunchtime reading, where mm. you kind of go there and you get like a little snack size portions, and um, yeah, you learn a lot, and it's just yeah. it's there. So yeah, very cool. And so my pick of the pod is a I ripped it off. I so I always read the uh, weekly Xamarin newsletter. And if you mm-hmm. don't, I'll put a link in the in the show notes so you can go sign up and get it. And so last week. Kim Philippotts put it in this link for coding fonts. And so what it is, is just this website where you can go out and view a bunch of different fonts that are great for coding. They're all probably monospaced and they're, you could just spend hours, you know, like just trying different fonts, put them in your IDE and uh, see which ones work best for you. And what this website does, it collects a bunch of different ones and you can see what they are. It tells you if they cost anything and it gives you samples. And a lot of them have um, ligatures in there. And so what a ligature does is that it, um, like if you do less than or you know, uh, left-facing bracket equals, a ligature will make that an actual like mm. le- less than sign, less than equals if you were uh, writing it out by hand. Mm. And 
yeah, so you can go in there and see how everything will look. So it tells you how ones look different than lowercase l's, for example. So you, you can tell if you, you know, just how they look differently. So you don't get them confused. And it's actually just a kind of a cool site. You know, if you're into really customizing your IDE and, uh, yeah, it's just a neat, neat thing. And, uh, yeah, I totally ripped it off from when Kim found it. I'm telling you about it and I'll give credit back to Kim Philipotts and a link to the Xamarin weekly, uh, newsletter, which you should totally read as well. So beautiful. I like it. I like it. Cool. Well, all right. Well, Matt, we made it. We made it through 2020. Hope everyone has a lovely holiday. Um, Stay safe, wear a mask, do all the things socially distanced. We are staying in home in our, in our, our home here. Actually, I have to go to Whole Foods and order my Christmas dinner. That's our next thing to do. Big fans of the Whole Foods pre-made meals. So big fan there. So we'll do that, but um, that's going to do it. Yeah. Stay safe. All right. Talk to you in 2021, James. Bye.